So, hey, Derek, did you see that uh, trailer for Star Trek 2? Or, sir, excuse me, Star Trek Into Darkness. I was going to say, we do not call that Star Trek 2, sir. Yes, I have seen it. It looks amazing. Yeah, that's uh, all sorts of explosions. And if you notice, they had the uh, tricorder noise. I did. I did. It was very exciting. It was, I, there was a lot of tributes to Star Trek. And you know what big Star Trek fan I am. Yeah. Let me, uh, I know you've seen Galaxy Quest. Actually, that's one that I missed. What? You haven't seen Galaxy Quest? Welcome to You Haven't Seen, the podcast where Adam, Derek, and Colin force each other to watch movies they should have seen a long time ago. Alright, Derek, now that you've seen Galaxy Quest, we need to talk about it. It was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. You know what convinced me to watch this, don't you? Uh, the fact that we were talking about Star Trek 2 and you hadn't seen it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh... <laughs> well, what was your secondary motivation? Uh, it was free for the HBO Go okay. for me, and I had read that J.J. Abrams, who is now of you know Star Trek and Star Wars fame, as well as Lost, and you know what a big Lost guy I am. Sure, sure. What? You haven't seen Lost? Oh, never no, I haven't seen uh, okay. different, different show. Um, J.J. Abrams said that this was his favorite Star Trek movie ever. Oh. Huh. <laughs> How about I that? that was, I thought that was pretty weird. I was like, "Wow, that's about right." So, um, so yeah, I saw Galaxy Quest uh, a couple weeks ago, and then rewatched it after we decided we were gonna do this little podcast here. So, so let's uh, flash back to 1999. What was going on that you didn't see this? You know, I think that this is one that my dad and I talked about seeing together. And uh, my dad, who is a big science fiction nerd, and uh, we never got a chance to for one reason or another. And um, when it came out on cable, I have no I just didn't have any interest in watching it, I guess, like not enough to like flag it down, basically. Um, I wasn't a big Tim Allen guy. I feel like he kind of I don't know the fact that he was in the title role kind of ruined it a little bit for me. Um, and, and I guess. I didn't know enough about the supporting cast all that well, too. But now, like, some of those guys are my favorite. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. She was no one. And, uh, let's <sighs> Tony, see. Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. And, and, uh, and oh, yeah, Ellen Rickman, the, one of the finest actors of our time. You could barely see him, though, in the trailers. I mean, in my defense. And, I mean, if we're talking about uh greatest actors of our time sam Rack- rockwell for me now right Ab- absolutely there. but he was he was a no one when this came out yes exactly so that's why i feel like now when i was watching it i was like oh my god these guys are in there and that kid justin long kid. yeah he uh he was in the uh, dodgeball movie i enjoyed him in the dodgeball movie he's been a lot of stuff uh die hard four die hard <laughs> he was he was the mac in the mac pc commercials <laughs> he was um, he was also in that awful movie with Drew Barrymore. Uh, I'm not sure which one was. 
Going the distance. I, f- I feel like you just made that up. No, going the distance. <laughs> it's, it started, uh, he and Drew Barrymore, and they were a couple that decided to have a long-distance relationship. Ah, that, and hijinks ensue, I'm sure. And it was a, as bad as the premise leads you to believe. So I actually like Justin Long. There's a pretty bad comedy he did. It's uh, Accepted, where he made oh, up a college. Yep. That's on Comedy Central every weekend. It's, it's actually pretty funny. I enjoy I it. Like, I like that, actually. It's another movie I have seen. There you go. Uh, so, so 1999, you never got around to it. Well, so I actually missed this from the theater. I was out of the continent. It was definitely on my radar, but um, it came out, I believe, Christmas time, 1999. And so I was traveling across Europe with some buddies and... We weren't necessarily going to stop to watch uh, Galaxy Quest. So by the time I got back and got settled and everything, I, th- I believe it was out of theaters. And so I had to wait, and I think I grabbed it the next summer on uh, on home video. But just absolutely um, hilarious. I enjoyed it so much. But, yeah, it, it, I, so these are friends of yours, but then they couldn't stop to watch a movie? I mean, I don't really understand how good of friends they could possibly be. Yeah, well, actually, on that trip... Um, I think after about three or four weeks of, of carrying all of our possessions on our bags and we were in Paris and just couldn't take it anymore, so went to go see a movie. I believe End of Days with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is what we ended up seeing. Oh, that was a bad choice. And uh, I think Felicity was in that one, too. That movie's terrible. That was pretty bad. So, getting back to a good movie, though. This yes. movie is pretty fantastic. Um, it, it, uh, it's got some really, really crazy funny parts if you're a sci-fi nerd so why don't you start with the old uh, plot summary here before we before we get into it uh, you don't like my plot summary because you do it badly but well i'll have to <laughs> tolerate it all right so so galaxy quest uh the movie opens with uh they talk about galaxy quest this movie obviously that was uh modeled after uh, our own beloved star trek and uh i think it's about 20 years after the show's on the air they're at a kind they're at a comic-con style you know convention for the show and um tim allen who plays the tim allen plays the main character and he's supposed to um he's like the big head honcho the uh captain kirk if you will of the show and uh kind of puts on airs with his uh underlings and uh he, so he's got a he's got a he's at the convention he's kind of like a, a loser drunk and uh, he's got a next day uh, shoot with uh, like an interview shoot with uh, some people and uh, some aliens, some actual aliens come up to him and the, he say, he mistakes them for um, the people he's supposed to interview with. Um, he overhears some uh, kids in the bathroom talking about what a loser he is and he's got to come to grips with his own. He kind of has a bender and uh, the next morning the aliens come to, uh, take him and uh they actually take him out into space and he meets up with and they talk about the omega 13 which is something that they're supposed to protect and there's a warlord that wants to get the omega 13 from them and um he takes the helm of the ship it's everything is perfectly coordinated right to the show as you know as the whole ship everything um and uh, he he basically fires on the warlord and then uh, walks away, thinking that you know his time is over. And then he gets uh, beamed through jelly, some sort of jelly thing, that he gets beamed back to Earth. Um, 
Beam is probably a bad word for it. And uh, then the warlord starts to exact revenge against the uh, aliens. And so he comes back to Earth and collects the entire cast. And they go out into space and uh, defeat the warlord and show up in time to, uh, in a crazy crash landing, uh, to uh, a convention. Oh, and in the meantime, he gets help from the little nerd that he uh, tells off in the uh, first convention. See, these are excellent plot summaries that I get. There you go. The little nerd, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think his name was Brandon. Uh, Justin Long, whatever his name is. <laughs> People don't tune into the show to hear plot summaries. If they want plot summaries, they go to the Now Playing podcast. Arnie does a fantastic job. It does. So I think one of the major reasons, like I said, that I didn't tune into this, I think that the, the, Tim Allen in general turns me off to most movies. Uh, ever since they took my money for the Santa Claus, I feel like I, I don't want to go see movies that he is starring in. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I he was definitely, he, I mean, he was on top of television for, um, for, for years. I mean, Home Improvement was the number one number one show for at least five years. So he was, you know, I guess box office gold, but was he really box office gold? I, I mean, think that, I think that was a thought and, and, and this was, would have been right about that time. Uh, so between this, the Santa Claus, I think what else did he have, um, on the big screen? Uh, I don't know. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like what other movies? I mean, I, I just know that he, I never really like, Oh, the jungle. What's in there? Some jungle movie. With oh, jungle, the jungle. He found his long lost son that was raised as a Tarzan clone. Um. Uh, and I guess Toy Story also Toy Story, I was, gonna say was right was about this. One. It was a little bit before this, so um, he's playing off that. I think they're trying to make him a leading man much more than um than he ended up being. But at, at this time, he was he was hot, a hot commodity, I guess. Wow! Listen to this. I have I actually saw Joe Somebody that he starred in before I saw this Galaxy Quest movie. Well, I could see how that would have uh, prohibited you from seeing another Tim Allen movie. Oh, man, that movie is terrible. Okay, so so Tim Allen, I think, is a major contributor as to why I didn't see it. And Sigourney Weaver, as much as I love her in uh, you know, some, you know, the older movies, her newer movies have not been stellar necessarily. So, so you're saying you're not holding out hope for uh, Ghostbusters 3 being very good? I didn't really enjoy her in any of the Ghostbusters, I felt like, so... But she was fantastic in the Alien movies, and I enjoyed her in uh, The Working Girl. That was pretty good, too. So, And then Alan Rickman, was he, I mean, besides Die Hard. Besides Die Hard, what more do you need? He was um, Robin Hood. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I mean, he was, he was, he was known. I don't think, he, you know, he wasn't Snape yet, so uh, I think there's a whole new generation that knows him just from that. But true. I mean, he uh, Dogma would have come out just about this time. He was in there, so oh, he, yeah, he was in that. Hmm. He, he definitely had some some credits under under. But like Tony Shalhoub was yeah. um, in Wings, oh, and that's kind of all he was known from. Right, and then Monk didn't start. Did Monk, did Monk had just started. No, maybe, Monk, Monk would have been much after this. Okay. So, and I mean, I really. I mean, I loved him in Wings, but you know, certainly when he became Monk, then you know he was the guy. And Sam Rockwell is amazing, so I mean, I love that guy. So, so yeah, so it was really fun to watch this with them all grown up, basically. You know, I mean, 
14 years later, you're watching this movie. Um, and, uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Every, everybody is somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and who Sigourney Weaver has cleavage in this movie. It's very, very strange. <laughs> well, but it, we will talk about the characters, but it plays perfectly with what she was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, she it, just the 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 sex pot, the 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 eye candy for the, for the nerd set especially. Oh yeah, she's great in this role though. I mean, this may be one of her best roles ever. Yeah, she really nailed it. Yeah. Um, you know, when this came out, I think there was a lot of uh, trepidation amongst uh, Trekkies that this was going to be making fun of. Did you think that this was? really having having its way with with fandom and and the fanboy culture or was this was this a healthy uh, a healthy uh you know jab in the ribs what was were the writers you know one, one of us or were they the kids that were making fun of us you know at first it seemed a little bit like they were just going to be making fun and especially that part you know with Tim Allen and the guys in the bathroom talking and I was like oh okay here we go you know but uh, there's enough there that uh, it feels like an homage almost to us. Like, you know, just the fact that the ship was meticulously recreated, you know, not, not just would aliens do that, but like, I feel like some nerds have done that. You know, like there's the guy that, you know, you know, made the Millennium Falcon in his backyard, you know, out of wood and, you know, like, like all these crazy things that people do when they're like just so enthralled with whatever is the you know, the, the, their passion and, uh, you know, certainly nerds can relate to that, I think. So, right. and, and, you know, and the jokes were definitely of the element where, um, as they're on the planet and the cute little monster, the cute little aliens and, uh, Sam Rockwell's games. Did you watch, have you watched the show? Um, uh, you know, to, to know that something bad is inevitably going to happen. You know, these aren't jokes that I feel like, uh, were made for the mainstream. Yeah, they were. They were made for the mainstream, and you know we can talk about uh, sort of the modern equivalent, which would be Big Bang Theory. And you know, my 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 uh, gripe with that show is always that it's making fun of instead of having fun with. That the jokes are so broad and so obvious, even though the writers obviously know their stuff, they're having their way with. Um, with the fanboys and and with uh, you know the stereotypical nerd, whereas this show isn't doing that. Um, this movie is really you know it's the Austin Powers to you know the Austin Powers as Austin Powers did to James Bond movies. This is really doing to Star Trek. Um, it, it, there's a reverence for the source material. Um, they they do end up saving the day. You know they come through in the end and it, it is the uh the fanboys and their encyclopedic knowledge you know justin long has his friends all crowded around the computer with their technical manuals and everything and um you know he created the entire ship on his computer on his computer right? <laughs> and his 1999 computer which is even yeah. more of a, a feat but um that that it was the dedication to the show that ended up saving the day yeah yeah it, it's pretty wonderful and it, and I mean, maybe we can get into this later, but I mean, how does this not get a sequel? Like it, it made seven, what, 70 million or something like that. I mean, it um, seems... I think it doubled. So it was like 90 out of 45 budget, something like that. So it's pretty good. I yeah. mean, but so... is it, but it, you know, is it enough to, to warrant it, especially now that it's so much later? Um, 
and because it's got a different audience. It's not a broad-based audience. It, it was an expensive movie to make with the special effects. Um, are there enough people that are going to go out and see it? And in today's Hollywood climate, you know, just making $45 million is probably not enough to warrant a summer blockbuster. Was this a summer movie, too? This was a summer movie? No, it was Christmas. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It wasn't a summer movie, right? Okay. Yeah, definitely didn't have a feel of a summer movie. And I, I think that the special effects, while adequate, were, uh, you know, certainly uh, looked a little janky by today's standards. That was the one thing that I, I, I mean, sure. it is 14 years ago. So yeah, com- compare, it, compare it to a contemporary, though. Um, I mean, obviously, Phantom Menace came out uh, same year or the year before. And... Um, you know, but looking back, Independence Day it was a couple of years prior to that. You know, this was this was a sharp looking movie. Um, it it definitely held up. And yeah, it's pretty solid. It, it, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. It's just uh, there was a few scenes where it looked a little uh, cardboard cutout kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But the, but then uh, yeah, you can almost explain that away as. Well, it was a cardboard cutout. Yeah. These aliens recreated the ship from the source material, the historical documents, uh, and it was what they thought. And I and I love. Uh, there's two scenes where it's Tony Shalhoub um, operating the uh, the transporter, or whatever they called it, and then also uh, Tommy uh, steering the ship. It's like, well, we watched your hand movement, so we saw what it did, so we just kind of <laughs> matched it to that. <laughs> And he has no idea how to fly the thing. Yeah. It doesn't do anything that it's supposed to. Yeah. I, they call it the digital conveyor belt, right? Isn't the, that what the digital it? conveyor. The digital yeah. conveyor. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, yeah. It, it, it's definitely a nice send up of uh, Star Trek without being too, uh, like I said, too. Uh, harsh on the on the viewer or too harsh on the show. I think that maybe that's part of the reason, like you were talking about earlier, that I didn't see it was just that the Tim Allen factor and then the the factor that I didn't want to ruin something that I love, you know. Right. It was it was it was it was reverent to the culture, whether it was the culture of the show or the culture of the fandom. Um. And you know, it they did it over and over and over again in every bit. I mean. So let's talk about some of the characters. You, you've got uh, obviously Jason, you know Tim Allen as Captain Kirk. Yeah. Uh, little things. He repeatedly lost his shirt. Not only did his shirt come off numerous times, but they called him out on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is exactly what you know a young William Shatner would do. Absolutely. He, um, you know, he was dismissive of the rest of the cast. Yet uh, the fans loved him, and he loved the fans, and he hammed it up for the fans. Yeah, and he left everyone else by the wayside, which, you know, Shatner, being Shatner, has his faults, and you know, I think he's made his peace with many members of the of the Star Trek cast. But that was always in all the, of course, because I am that guy. I read all their biographies. Yeah, and uh, he was always stealing screen time and rewriting the lines so that he would get the good lines and. Um, you know, even into the movies where he was cutting out their parts in favor of more screen time for him. Um, he definitely was one of the more, ha- he was definitely the most hated of all of them. Oh, sure. So. Um, but that they did it in a way that made it 
human. Um, he wasn't a he wasn't a caricature. He wasn't. He, you know, he he didn't try to do Shatner. He did his version of it, which I thought was great. Yeah, he was pretty good. I mean, he was definitely serviceable. I was glad that they didn't give him, even though he's the central character. I guess he they didn't really give him too many lines either. I didn't think so. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely ensemble. Yeah, more so than any Star Trek has ever been. I've ever, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, and then Sigourney Weaver was like we talked about already is. She's fantastic in this role. She this is, this is the part she was made to play. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she she's great as she's uh, she does almost like uh, the opposite of uh, Ripley, you know? Yeah, where she she had no purpose, um, which was called out that she repeated what the computer said, um, and that was her whole role, uh, which is definitely a send up of of. Uh, of counselor Troy from next generation and that, you know, they would be meeting the alien species that would be glancing at each other. And Troy would say, I think they're being dishonest. (laughs) Uh, She didn't really get much to do throughout that whole show. Worst telepath ever. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. Uh, Should we save Alan? Well, let's talk about Alan Rickman there. Okay. So he plays Dr. Lazarus, right? By Grabthar's hammer. Yeah, he's uh, and he would never finish it. So he he really loathed who he had to become. And uh, in the I think, I, in the I am not Spock vein. Yeah, that I I almost pictured like um, if Patrick Stewart had gotten you know like couldn't break out of the Picard role, this would have been him. Well, he hasn't had much of a career post uh, other than Professor X, which was basically written for him. Yeah, that's true. Effectively as Captain Picard. I'm sure there's lots of people that only know him as Professor X, though, now at this point. So, yeah, it is, it is pretty interesting. Yeah, I have seen him in a couple other movies, but he wasn't very good. He's done a lot of voiceover work, too, I guess, but nothing that he would be proud of, necessarily. So, sure. Yeah. But he's great. He has a nice... I think he has the, the biggest... Um, arc in the movie, like character arc, um, where he, embra- you know, because of uh, something that happened during the, the movie, well, I guess 14 years later, I guess we can ruin it for him. Right. Um, you know, the fact I, that, wait, wait, hold on. Spoilers. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the, uh, one of the aliens that really admires him and has built his entire life after his character, uh, ends up dying. And, uh, uh, you know, he embraces the character that he was and really becomes that character. He's not uh, afraid of, of being who he was supposed to be on the show. Basically. Right. Which I think mirrors the arc of a lot of the cast of the original series. Um, or so they would have you believe. I mean, all you're getting is, is the graciousness that they're, that they're showing um, whether at conventions or on interviews or in the numerous, numerous documentaries that have since come out. But, right. um, you know, as actors, they say just to be remembered for anything um, and that they've inspired such emotion in, in people and it's sustained for a show that was on for three years and it just goes and they demanded more and then there were movies and they demanded more and there was another series and it just keeps going on and on and on. Um until uh, Enterprise killed it. Well, 
but your, your friend JJ has uh, has revived it. Yes, he has. Um, but the the uh, the idea that you get yourself, you know, George Reeves into the role, you know, where he could be nothing but Superman and and it and it effectively killed him, um, but or you you embrace that, and you know, I I'd like to imagine that if George Reeves lived in the era of the convention, uh, he might have had a much happier life because you can you can take that and you can make it serious um and i think for all the bitterness and and tough you know not a lot of uh star trek actors have gone on to do significant other work um but you call tj hooker not significant other work i will go so far as to call tj hooker not significant you know when you had walter caning uh was on babylon 5 and he's done some writing and you know they've all uh, you know, done something. They've done something. You had uh, George Leonard. Sakai, who has become the internet uh, celebrity that he is today. Uh, it's true. That's true. Um, he was also on Heroes. He was Heroes. He was yeah. Heroes' father, he was, Hero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hero Senior. Yes. Uh, then you've got Leonard Nimoy in his uh, directorial masterpiece, Three Men and a Baby. You've seen that, right? Oh, of course I've seen okay, that. Okay, just, yeah, just, make, just making sure, because yeah. we might have to stop right now. Yeah, go watch it, and then come back. Yeah. I, I love that movie. <laughs> oh, powdered milk, right. It's better than Look Who's Talking. Oh, so much better. So <laughs> much better. Yeah, it is, you know, it, it, it's the perfect, uh, I think that as you get older, too, though, that sort of mentality of, well, it's nice to be remembered for anything, sort of. I, I think that as you get older, though, I think that you definitely, you know, you start to, at least this is, my perception of how things have gone is that people start to like really think about, you know, coming to grips with death. And I mean, I think that a lot of the Star Trek groups, since they have lost some people here now, they start thinking, Oh, well, you know, it's kind of nice that somebody remembers us, you know, for something, you know, regardless of what it's for. So as much as they may have hated Star Trek in their younger days because they couldn't get any work or because, you know, they're opening up strip malls. And I mean, you know, there were some lean that years there before the movies came back, uh, right. brought them back. You know, now I think that looking back on it, it's, it's uh, pretty amazing. So, yeah, I mean, they, they inspired, uh, you know, the, the first space shuttle, they were at the grand unveiling when it was named enterprise. Um, you know, the Star Trek phone, you know, all the stuff that they say Star Trek invented, but, you know, it's really because not so much the show and, you know, it's Gene Roddenberry's vision and whatnot, but if those actors and those characters weren't so compelling, people wouldn't have the same affinity for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, uh, now, you know, each generation, you know, even the kids that grew up watching Star Trek, the next generation are, building the thing so you're starting to see tricorders type things that uh were from the next generation more so and absolutely i mean i've got a tricorder app on my phone yeah <laughs> and it, <laughs> it has about 90 percent of the functionality of the first season of next generation can't cure cancer still, not, though, not quite that's, yet yeah that's uh that's uh key lime pie i think <laughs> to the next one google now you're well exactly <laughs> so all right tony shalhoub is definitely the character that most embraces who he is, who he was from the show sure i mean my favorite part is he played an asian guy he was he changed his last name so that he could appear to be asian 
they show the flashback to the show in 1982, and he's got makeup to make him look Asian, and he's not even close to being Asian. Yeah, exactly. And, that was pretty good. And no one even mentions it. Like, it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. And they gave, you know, they gave him Fred Kwan. Right. <laughs> and there's one throwaway line where it's like, that's not even my real name. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. So, and he ends up staying with the ship, right, at the end? Uh, he f- No, they, because um, they all go back and they do the next generation, they relaunch the show, and his girlfriend, oh, one of the right. aliens, um, joins the cast of the show. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was something like he definitely like embraced most of the experience they found themselves in basically. Well, him and Jason. Right. They've, they found purpose. Uh, yeah. He had, and Tony Shalhoub, I, you know, and I wasn't a monk watcher. I say I only have room for, uh, for one crime dramedy. And, uh, that's psych. The other USA show. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, my parents loved it. But I, I, he's he's great. I mean, he he was in, um, you know, a little bit part in Men in Black, and just he kind of pops up here and there. Just he's always spot on. He's a great character actor. They got they got a great guy, and I I am a huge Monk fan, as most people know. So I love that show. So. Uh, and then uh, let's talk about Tommy. Yeah, he's he's pretty solid. So Daryl Mitchell, what's this guy? I don't even know his story. You know, he he's another guy that I think pops up here and there. Um, let's see, Veronica's closet. So these are like the worthless uh, John Lyric. John Lyric show. Show. Yeah, these, yeah, these are like the uh, NBC um, trying to recapture the magic of TGIF kind of shows. Yeah, he's apparently also on Ed, which apparently a lot of people liked. So I didn't watch that show. Um. Yeah, he just kind of pops up every now and again. So, but yeah, he's pretty solid. So he just assumed, uh, oh, he's the kid in the show. So he's the Will Wheaton right. of, of the cast. And, uh, you know, and now Will Wheaton, according, you know, from the Big Bang Theory, I think is more popular than he was at any other time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he was hated. And you know, the funny part, I was I was so young when Next Generation was on that I didn't know that, I was supposed to hate his character. And it was, and I mean, by design, he was the kid on the enterprise that all the kids were supposed to identify with. So yeah, I want to be flying the enterprise. And I'm how old was he? 14 or 15. Like that. So would, it, that would identify. It was yeah. successful then at that point, but it wasn't until many years later, um, that I really learned, I guess with the advent of the internet that I learned about the hatred for Wesley Crusher. Um, it was, I guess it was people in their teens and twenties that were watching this show that wanted no part of him being there. Yeah, I was, you were, yeah, you definitely were younger than me, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Still yeah, it. I was trying to think, so it came out in 1989, right? The show. Right. So I would have been 14, 15 years old. So yeah, I think I kind of knew. I don't know that I knew that I should hate him. I just knew that I didn't like him. I knew he wasn't very good, but neither was anybody else on the show. We were just watching because of Star Trek. So, right. I mean, it, the the first season is brutal of that show. Everybody, nobody really knows what to do with any of the roles. So yeah, and, and you know the the absurdity of a kid flying the ship, 
is never questioned. Um, <laughs> but but then even more so now that he's a grown man. Now he's just some dude flying the ship. Like yeah. everybody's got their hook on the show. You know, the sex bot, you know, charismatic captain, alien, and just some yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. But, but I will say, I mean, I think the idea of a kid flying the ship is the Ender's Game kind of thing, and the you know maybe that's what they were trying to tap into on Next Generation. Who knows? So. Yeah, and I, and it, and you know it's it's like putting Ewoks in. Uh, in your Star Wars movie, just uh, you know, so, some way to sell some toys, almost you know, way to bring in the demographic, the right demographic, the younger set, the jar, the jar jar, if you will. Yes. So Sam Rockwell is uh, pretty solid in this too. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Even the character's real name is not descript. Crewman, crewman number six. Yes. <laughs> He's the red shirt guy, basically. So Kill, killed off before the commercial break of one episode, <laughs> and, and yet still invited the convention, which is which is wonderful. Because <laughs> everyone that's ever been on the show is invited to the convention. That's the deal. It's like when uh, Xander's twin brother gets invited to <laughs> Comic Con. So yeah, he's great in this too. I mean, just as the the, the guy who just assumes that he's going to die at some point. Yep. Doesn't even realize that the show is not good. It's not really the show. <laughs> he's like playing, he's being himself, but he still thinks that he's going to die. That was pretty great. And he plays this great, you know, and uh, it's hard to watch Sam Rockwell in a non-dramatic, crazy role, you know, like. He, he had his wacky moments. I mean, nothing. But he'll always be Moon to me. So, I mean. He's, and Either Moon or. Um, Charlie's Angels villain. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You never saw Charlie's Angels? I think I did. I, I have to check my list. I, okay. I, I probably did. Um, the original and Full Throttle? Um, full Throttle, maybe not, but definitely the. Uh, most likely the original. Uh, no, no. Sam, Sam Rockwell's Breakout was Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Just so great. I mean, every time I even think about that movie. I have to go back and watch about a half hour of gong show clips just to get my, get my brain around what he was doing there because it was so good. Yeah. Movie's fantastic. I have no idea. It, and it came out a little bit after this, right? Like 2002 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, again, he, he just nails because he is the everyman. He is, he is our entry, uh, as much as Justin Long is, is the fanboy. Um, he's more the casual fan that's moved on with his life, I guess you'd say. Um, and he's, he's there in the, in the, in the heart of the action, but he, he's the one to tell you, you know, haven't you watched the show? You know, it's going to go bad. It's obviously going to explode. You know, you got to press the button. Do you think the hitchhikers people were watching this when they cast him as the, uh, Beetle Brocks? I don't, I don't, I don't know what the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy people were thinking. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as everybody says it was. No, it was, it was fine. I enjoyed it. And again, there's another Alan Rickman role for you. Oh yeah, that's right. He was Marvin. Yep, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, I just, it was just missing. Um, you know what? There's another one. You watch the careers of those people. So you got Zoe Deschanel, got Sam Rockwell, got Alan Rickman, and you've got. 
Bilbo Baggins himself, Martin Freeman. Yeah, Martin Freeman's in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty solid. Wow. Um, oh, and who is uh, Ford, Ford Prefect? Um, and, uh, of course, Maz Def um, is Ford Prefect. Yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 there's another movie with... Uh, and that movie, surprisingly enough, came out in 2005. Yeah. Right? Wow. And it, uh, and it did... That's another one that did relatively well. Um, but not well enough to get a sequel. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was a $100 million box office. Yeah. Uh, don't know. I don't get it. Well, those, Especially when there's built-in sequels where they already got a, they already got an audience and they already got everything there, I guess. Yeah, the uh, the books got progressively more anarchic and less uh, coherent. The first three are decent. Yeah. After that, and he, he was just cashing checks. Was there five? Was there five or four? Uh, there might even be six. Okay, I don't remember. Yeah, he he definitely didn't want to make any more, but they kept piling up money at his house. I think. So. Sure. Do we even talking about anybody else here? Justin Long is fantastic, obviously, yeah. as the uh, devoted. Devoted Galaxy Quest fan, uh, and I don't know who his friends were necessarily on that that came in, but they weren't really credited. So uh, here, here's a name that came up in the uh, in the deep cuts of IMDb. One of the aliens, Rain Wilson. Yeah, Dwight Schrute himself. I yeah. uh, you know I didn't see that until after I rewatched, and um, I've been pulling up clips on YouTube trying to find him, and I can't. So, either oh. he he looked nothing like no, Dwight he's Schrute. The, no, 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 no. He's the white. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I know he scheduled this, you know, and you didn't necessarily see it recently. And man, that is, he is the white. He looks just like Dwight in the show. So, yeah, he's like the right hand man of uh, Mathisar, okay. the leader of the Thermian. Yeah, and Rico Colatoni. Here's another guy. I, I, sitcom star of the '90s. Uh, you know, one of my favorite shows, Just Shoot Me, Just Shoot course. Me? Oh. Man, do you like some terrible sitcoms. Oh, that one's really good. That one's really good. I could still watch that one today. If by good you mean terrible, then sure. No, no, David Spade's on it. It's pretty great. <sighs> so, and, uh, David Spade. Wait, wait. David Spade is your benchmark for pretty great? <laughs> he's, he's pretty great in that show, let me tell you. Oh. I, I've watched all the David Spade shows. Oh. You watch all the David Spade shows? Yeah. There's a lot of them. Is that even a thing to do? Like I don't know. I watch them all. Hey, Just Shoot Me was a very popular show. Sure it was. So was uh, Home Improvement. Now, he's pretty great on that show, though. He, he's, he's really solid. Enrico Colatoni or David Spade? Who are we talking about? Oh, no, Enrico. Okay. Enrico's pretty great. So. Yeah, I know. It was, it was fun. Yeah, uh, Laura Sangiacomo was in the Just Shoot Me, too. So she, she's really good. No, she's not. From uh, Quigley Down Under. And uh, my wife pointed out that she was also a pretty woman. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Uh. She was Kit DeLuca. I don't, do you know that off the top of your head? Or yeah, from... she's a Robert Scott's friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you she want to be a part of the podcast? Or... Wait, get around here. Hey, get around. <laughs> get around for a second. We're getting around for not here. Hold on. I'll bring her over. All right, Emily here. Come here. Come here. Come here. What? There. Speak into the microphone. This is important. This is important. What? Hi. Hi, Adam. For for the uh, for all the the, the the legions of fans out there, this is Derek's wife, Emily. <laughs> yeah. The chat room's going crazy right now. I'm sure. <laughs> Twitter is exploding. Hashtag We want more Emily. Um, <laughs> so you know 
the main character from Pretty Woman's best friend's last name? Her, the, the, no, well, the character's name was Kit DeLuca. Right, right. You know her last name. Well, yeah, they called her Kit DeLuca. I don't think they called her Kit DeLuca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I just know they called her. You just you just remember that that's her full name. Yes. That's, that's but I don't the, remember Julia Roberts' character's name in the movie. What was her name? Oh, I don't. I don't care. I'm just. <laughs> she remember Laura San Giancomo's character's last name. <laughs> just, right. That was the girl. On, that was the girl on Just Shoot Me, right? Yeah, I, I know. I know. The daughter. I, I I'm following you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I okay. I, re- I remembered her from Quigley Down Under, but you I took, no you took it. The, oh, Tom Selleck. As a cowboy in Australia? That yeah. doesn't help me either, no. Oh. Riding the coattails of Crocodile Dundee? Come on. No. I have no idea. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, Emily. Oh, you're right. welcome. Bye. Now she's going to listen to this. This will be the first podcast she's ever listened to. Oh, okay. So. You just, you just shushed your wife, by the way. Just her. For the, for, the, for the world to hear. Yeah. Um, I just, that's, that's, a, that's a bizarre piece of, of, uh, trivia that she had at her at her fingertips uh mm-hmm. Julia Roberts name was Vivian Ward by the way oh well, what kind of prostitute is the name Vivian Ward she wasn't a very good prostitute which I, I guess not the plot of the movie so. <laughs> <laughs> it is very strange to know that little piece of trivia so this is back to this um yeah so no sequel. Yeah, no inkling of a sequel. You know what was ha- what was happening here? Can we, can we, talk, we didn't talk score. Are we talking score here? You know me and my score here. Okay, talk about the score. I, score, score is pretty solid. I, 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 it was not intrusive. It was not like an ode to Star Trek or Star Wars, but I definitely enjoyed the score. Um, I listened to it uh, afterwards, and I was like, huh, that was pretty solid. It's not. It didn't sound TV, but it did sound a little cheesy. If you get in here, so. I, I got you. Yeah, so I mean, because it, it was, it, I mean, it's supposed to be a send up of a TV show, but it's still a movie, and so it's not ridiculous either. So I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a good score. Um, this uh, composer's name does nothing for me, David Newman. Uh, yeah, no you've idea. Heard, you've heard his work in movies such as The Flintstones, Tommy Boy, The Nutty Professor, The Flintstones, and Viva Ross, Rock Vegas. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, apparently. I didn't even know that that had a score, except for the Wild Stallions music. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, it d- did nothing for me. Scores are generally invisible unless they're really good or really bad. I guess. So we talked a little. Why didn't this get a sequel? What was holding it up? Yeah, well, now the sequel would cost a gazillion dollars, basically, because all these guys are bank. Um, but, I mean, it would be almost impossible. Uh, to get a sequel to this, right? I, I would guess. Um, you know, I, I think it depends just on the mindset of where everybody is. I guess there's, I don't know, Hollywood's in that place where where we just revive anything that has name recognition. But you got to make $300 million in order to make a movie, like to get a movie made, right? I mean, that was that's to get a sequel. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Very, very odd, and, and I think also it, it was a DreamWorks picture, so it, it had a good name behind it. But you've got a, a no-name director, just Dean Parasote. Just he did a good job, though. Yeah, he did fine. Um, 
but just did that uh, Jim Carrey movie, Fun with Dick and Jane, which is a big flop. So you're not bringing this guy back. Um, I guess, and what would you do with a sequel to this, I guess? Right. This is kind of a one-and-done kind of thing, you know? Uh, there's so much more in the world of fandom to explore. Um, you know, they did go on to make the Next Generation show. They, uh, you know, the 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 Thermians are still out there flying around the the sh- the protector. Um, there's new threats to be had, and you know what new what new ridiculousness have they have they entered into the show? Now there's movie franchise. It could be big stars. I mean, there's lots of places you can go. Um, but I we we probably won't see it. I think. We'll see this sequel, though, before we see the Big Trouble in Little China sequel that I've been waiting for. Yeah, I'm still mad about the uh, No Flash Gordon sequel. So. Yep, yep. No Buckaroo Banzai sequel. No Buckaroo Banzai sequel. There's been uh, many other sequels. We were promised all of these in the credits. So when I make a movie, the last thing I'm going to do is promise a sequel in the credits. It's a good thing. Hopefully Dan Trachtenberg is not planning on any sort of sequels either. So. Why? He's directed a big nerd movie now. He I'm is? Look it up. Yeah, you didn't know that? Oh. Hold on. He got a job? He did. He's directing uh, Why the Last Man. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, how about that? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, that's going to be a terrible movie, by the way. Oh, it's going to be awful, but it's, who cares? So. There's, there's, uh, there's no plot. That's a great plot. You didn't enjoy the, the graphic novels? There was no explanation of anything. There doesn't need to be. Did you, you didn't watch Lost, so I can understand how you, don't, you know that there doesn't need to be an explanation. I've watched to be a, good a lot story. of shows with no endings, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, well, those all got canceled before they were done. What was the one that we always talk about? I forgot that one. The crazy one that was on the UPN. Nowhere Man? Earth 2? Yeah, no, Nowhere Man. Oh, yeah. That's the one that with the rope and the whole thing, and then I was and like, "Oh, wait, what?" Yeah, the that? hanging that was supposed to be in South America, but was actually in Washington D.C. That they stole his life. He's the photographer. Still mad that I watched that show. They robbed a lot of my like a lot of hours from me. Well, and if you think about it, the plot of that show, well, had he just taken a digital photograph, he wouldn't have had to keep hiding that negative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was pretty lame. So posted on the internet, it would have been over. Definitely did not work very well. That's a game I like to play is which of these sitcoms could uh, be run boot by cell phones? Almost all of them. All of so. Three's Company. Would have been a simple text message and it would have been over. Mr. Furley did not have a phone that was capable of receiving text messages regardless. I, he would have had a Nokia. Um, <laughs> so, like so a Nokia, Nokia candy bar would have done him just fine. So this is included in Reader's Digest Top 100 funniest movies of all time. Well, is this one of the funniest movies of all time? I guess it's in I, the top 100. Right. I don't know that I'd put it in the top 100, but I also don't read Reader's Digest, so that's true. I just saw it on on the Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I I think that there are parts of this that are very clever. It's a very good. It's a very it's a very good movie to watch. Um, but I don't know that I was like you know, laughing hysterically, you know, it definitely was no, uh, dumb and dumber or something like that. So, yeah, it, it was clever. It was reverent. It was sharp. It was witty, but 
not you know, I haven't seen this movie in 10 years and I'm glad that I I'm glad that we revisited it. Yeah. But um by no means um am I going to sit down and watch this again next week. I definitely like the fact that Alan Rickman had to have the prosthetic on basically the entire time for the whole movie. And as the movie went on, it just got a little more torn and a little yeah. more torn. It's hanging off a little bit. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, by the end, it was barely on there. But, yeah. I mean, it was just hilarious. So. And, and none of the uh, Thermians even questioned it. No, not at all. So He's definitely an actor, though, Get you know, as a side note here, that can hide. You know, obviously, this is an easy role to hide in, but he can hide in a role like... You know, I don't think most people would know him. Like, if you saw Die Hard and Harry Potter and, you know, some of the other movies, you wouldn't necessarily connect that he's the same guy in all right, of those right. roles. He, he, he's really great at that. So, yeah. So, this is, uh, I think this is our most hearty of recommendations uh, for people to go out and watch and revisit. So. Yeah, I think so. So, you're, I say it. Are you glad that you watched Galaxy Quest? Yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm definitely glad that I saw it, and I think that I'm, I think I'm glad I saw it later. I, I think maybe if if I had seen this when it was first out, I might have had a different sort of disdain for it. I, I don't know. It would be interesting to. I can never go back and change it, obviously, but it would be interesting to see like what would my reaction have been if I had seen this at the time when I may not have enjoyed it as much. So I don't know. I think. I think. Uh... Again, I was in college. Um, we had we had done the whole convention thing, not excessively so, but you know, my mom and I went to two or three of them um, as Next Generation was on, and and we recognized it, and um, we, you know, I'm definitely a Trekkie. I'm definitely a fan, but um, yeah, I wasn't wearing costumes. I wasn't um, joining a crew of a starship, as as people take it. I would say too far, but what people want to do is what people want to do is they take it to an extreme of time that I just don't have. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I was at that right balance of, of enjoyment for the source material and, um, appreciation for the silliness of it all that, that it, that it really just fit nicely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty solid movie though. So, so what? Emily, it's apparent that you've never seen Galaxy Quest. Now you're going to tell me. No, I have seen Galaxy Quest. Oh, you have seen Galaxy Quest. So then, of I course, have seen that before, Derek. So then, of course, you've seen classics, classic sci-fi like Space Camp. No, absolutely not. What? what? You, you haven't, haven't seen, seen Space Camp? This has been You Haven't Seen, a production of the Robot Warrior Network, copyright 2013. Please visit robotwarriornetwork.com for all of our great shows and media. You can email Adam at robotwarriornetwork.com for more information. I'm familiar with editing.